It's tough. You've built your life abroad and suddenly, through no fault of your own, it comes to an abrupt end. Internationally mobile employees and families have been facing enforced or tough decisions and relocations as a result of the current pandemic. If this is you, then this podcast is for you. How can you make the best of a bad situation? And how can you work through disappointment and begin to look forward to building thriving lives in your new locations? In this episode, I offer seven tips to support you through change and transition. If you find yourself in the process of moving home or moving on. So hello and welcome to the Thriving Broad podcast. I'm Louise Wiles, an expat and transition coach and your host for these conversations with expats and international mobility professionals where we share stories, strategies, tips and tricks to help you build a thriving international life. And welcome to today's podcast episode on moving home and moving on. Now this is an episode created by me for you, so no interview today. And accompanying this episode is a handy workbook containing the seven tips and questions to prompt your thinking, a list of helpful resources and the full transcript for those who prefer to read. To access these resources, go to thrivingabroad.com and click on podcast 63. There you'll see a link to register for these resources and the Thriving Broad podcast newsletter. I'll also throw in links to the four playbooks from Thriving Abroad Together series. Such value. So let's get started. During these challenging times, many internationally mobile people are returning home or moving back to their base or passport country or moving on to someplace new. For those going home, for some, it will perhaps be a bit of a relief after a tough time in a challenging location. And for others, it will feel like a forced or emergency return, one that has been traumatic and one they would quite honestly rather not have made. And the same perhaps for those who are moving on to new locations. Relocation for sure generates mixed emotions for many people. And one piece of advice that many people give about moving home in particular is to treat it as though it is another international move. The truth being, you never move back in the full sense of how it was before, because life at home will have moved on just as you have. You return at a different stage of your life, so it really helps to treat it as a new move and limit your expectations in terms of moving back. So I thought I would share some insights for managing the transition of moving home and moving on from my personal and professional experience. Now, these seven tips will help you create the best possible mindset for this move and this transition and building your new life in your new location. Now, if you're an HR, global mobility, relocation specialist listening in, then this content is here and available for your employees and clients to access for free. So why not direct them to this podcast and for those repatriating home in particular to this episode? So to give you some background, I lived in Portugal for all over 12 years and moved back home twice during that time. I've also moved internationally seven times over my adult lifetime, so I really get the joy and the challenge involved when moving home and moving on. 
So thinking back to Portugal, you know, to be honest, it sometimes feels as though Portugal was my home and that I've expatriated to the UK. We visit Portugal often, my husband works there a lot, and we have close connections even now. When we step off the plane, the smells and the familiarity of the airport and the drive out feel just as it did when we used to live there. My husband and daughter both have Portuguese nationality, and so we do have strong emotional and physical ties. I tell you this because I think wherever we live, when we leave, we break an emotional connection with the place. Now, obviously, it will differ from person to person and depend on the number of years they've lived somewhere and the depth of connection they have felt to that place. And for me, the Tinet connection is obviously still strong. We still, six years after leaving, have the what if we'd stayed conversation. And my kids, now teens, talk about it as their old home with deep affection and affiliation. And not, not wanting to be particularly political, which probably doesn't really help that we move back to the UK just ahead of the Brexit referendum. For me, the Brexit vote has been one of the biggest cultural challenges. I see myself as a British European, and even now, three years post-vote, I find it difficult to reconcile the Brexit decision with that identity. I honestly have had to employ every element of my cultural agility to understand the Brexit perspective, and on this front, I'm still a work in progress. So why did we leave Portugal, if we loved it so much, I hear you ask? Well, for various reasons, my career, elderly parents, kids' education, and the Portuguese economy, which at the time was hitting an all-time low. Our move was personally motivated, no company involved, and we live with that choice. And we have moved on, don't worry, we're happy and settled. But what I've learned through it all is that choices are just that, choices. Once the choice is made, the real work begins, and we then have to think forward and work to make the future work, which really feeds into the topic of today's podcast, moving home and moving on. You know, international relocation involves a process process of change and transition. Change is what happens, i.e. the physical move from A to B, for example, the start of a new job, the move into a new home, And transition is the internal psychological reaction to change, and it evolves over time. William Bridges made this distinction, and I put a link to his book in the the notes that accompany this episode in the workbook. Now, in my book, Thriving Abroad, The Definitive Guide to Professional and Personal Relocation Success, I structure the chapter content around a framework for thriving abroad. Now, you can see that diagram in the workbook. Go and register for the workbook on the blog post associated with this episode, episode 63, and I will be in touch with a download for the workbook. Now, hopefully we relocate as a means to creating positive change in our lives, a positive career move, enhanced life experiences, better living environments. And the objective is to navigate this process of change and transition as smoothly as possible with the aim of building thriving lives in new locations. The experience of relocation impacts us on us at a personal level, on our family units, and also on our broader business and community friendship networks. These represent complex human systems. 
relocation ripples out to impact on us and others in different ways. And it is the connections and the relationships that we build that leads to positive outcomes that we hope for. But it's not always easy to predict the path to achieving our goals and positive outcomes. We need to be open to the emergent nature of our experiences. Models of cultural agility and intelligence point to the value of strengths such as flexibility, tolerance to ambiguity, humility, curiosity, perspective taking and humour. And it's easy to see their value set within this system's context and also within the context of the current pandemic. The journey of transition will be marked with polarities in experience, for example, happy and sad, order and chaos, struggle and thriving, good and bad. And as expats, we probably can all relate to that polarity of experience over the years that we've lived and worked abroad and moved abroad. Now, the seven tips in this workbook are designed to help navigate the mess and magic of relocation and move forward with positive intention, energy and well-being. So let's get stuck into the first tip, tip one, setting the context for your move home or moving on and clarifying your why. So if you are having or have had to move home or move on to a new location unexpectedly, then you may be feeling conflicted about the decision. You may also be facing some challenging issues such as finding accommodation at short notice, uncertainty uncertainty regarding your career or the education of your children. Now these are all big life issues of course and made more complicated when set within the uncertain context of the current chaos created by the pandemic. And research has shown that in crisis or challenging situations when we face many problems it can be easy to focus on the problem and the need to regain a sense of control and in doing so we may lose track of the bigger picture and what really matters most to us in life. The panic that comes with the need to return home or unexpectedly and the negative impact that this has on career and lifestyle is of course sad and disappointing. But rather than focus on the negativity that results, it's often helpful to consider what matters most to you in life, to sit and reevaluate re your values and connect the challenging time to the fact that it also enables you to honour those things that and help you discover your why, personally and professionally, for this new life you're building in your new location. I remember when we moved from living on the island of Madeira to Lisbon, my youngest daughter, then age four, really struggled to settle into her new school. It was such a different environment. She'd moved from a school with less than 50 pupils to one with over 500. As the weeks progressed, the teachers told me she was mute at school. I focused on this problem, worrying that we had made a terrible decision. But talking about it one evening, my husband and I reminded ourselves of the bigger picture in terms of why we had made the move. We recognised that while worrying, this problem would, with the right support, pass. And sure enough, over one weekend, my daughter went from mute on the Friday to speaking on the Monday and became the chattiest girl in the class by the time we left to return to the UK four years later. 
So if you're feeling as though you have perhaps lost connection with your why and with what's important to you, um, then it's worth taking time to, to really have a think about it and to reevaluate um, or evaluate where you are right now. You can think back to the values that drove your decision to make your current move. But if it also feels as though the decision was somewhat enforced, then perhaps think about what values you can call upon to help you make sense of that decision. So, for example, if it was a decision resulting from the pandemic and perhaps the lack of appropriate healthcare facilities where you were previously located, then health and security are perhaps important values there that you can use to make sense of where you are now. So you can ask some questions around values to help you reconnect with them. So ask the question, what is most important to me in terms of your professional life, your personal life, your family life? Ask, what values have I lost touch with as this current situation has unfolded? And what can I do to develop a close connection with those values? So moving on to tip two, building your raft for a safe departure. Now for many who are facing the task of moving on, they may not have had time for proper goodbyes and closure on their experience. And if this is you, I just say it's never too late to connect with those you've left behind, albeit probably virtually now, and say your goodbyes. But if you're in the process of preparing to leave, then a helpful framework to use when planning to leave, um, whether you're moving on or moving back home, repatriating home, is the raft model developed by David Pollock and Ruth Van Rieken, featured in their book, Third Culture Kids. Now, raft is an acronym and it stands for reconciliation, appreciation, farewells and think destination. So let's work through each of those and I'll just tell you a little bit about those and how you might use them. So reconciliation, you know, it can be tempting where conflict exists to run away and leave it behind unresolved. <laughs> After all, you're perhaps moving continents apart. The problem with this is that we actually don't leave conflict behind and the conflict will tend to be carried by us to the next place. So it's helpful to attempt to resolve it before leaving. For example, if you've got any workplace conflict, well, there might be an issue um, with an individual that's never been resolved. Well, perhaps it's time now to have that conversation or a social issue that's simmered away um, but plays on your mind. Now is the time to recognise that and to resolve those issues. And also, we're living in the challenging times of the pandemic and conflict in your life may have arisen due to the pandemic. Perhaps you were happy and secure in your host location until this situation caused you to rethink and make a different decision. And it's really best to recognise and acknowledge this disruption and come to an acceptance about its impact. Now, accepting it may take time, but it is really important to do the work and, and to get to that point of acceptance. Appreciation. Take the time to appreciate and affirm the positive aspects of your life abroad. You know, Recognise those who have contributed to the positive experience, so friends, colleagues, schools, teachers, etc. And take time out to think about and appreciate them and the places that you've enjoyed. 
Ruth and David talk about the four P's, people, possessions, pets and places, and suggest that we take time out to appreciate and savour those positive aspects of our life abroad. And, you know, savouring positive experiences, everyday positive occurrences and accomplishments can have a really positive impact on our happiness, resilience, well-being and overall life satisfaction. So it's a positive thing to do generally whether you're moving on or not um, but it's really well worth doing um, in relation to your your past in or, or the current situation which you're about to leave or if you've already left just thinking back over it and appreciating what what you thought was positive and what you enjoyed and savoring some of those happy memories you know, the great thing about savouring is that once you've created those savoured moments, you can recall them at points in the future and bring yourself back to those positive emotions. You know, I do that on a dark, dull, dark day in the UK and sit and remember the blue sky in Lisbon. If you've ever been to Lisbon on a sunny, sky, sunny day, you'll know how blue the sky can be there. Or my favourite beach or restaurant, and um, there's one, uh, Gisho Beach, uh, and a bar there, Bar de Ginsho, which served, well, I used to think, fantastic gin and tonics. You sit there looking at the sunset. What a wonderful thing to savour and remember. And you can do this also for achievements. You know, I remember finishing my first and last half marathon in Lisbon and the taste and sense of my celebratory beer. <laughs> and I'm sure you have many of those achievements and memories to savour too. Farewells. You know, it's tempting to ignore this because it means having to say those tough goodbyes. But it is important for you and your friends to acknowledge and celebrate your friendships. So take the time to ensure you say proper goodbyes, however uncomfortable. Emotions out are better than emotions in, I always say. And much of the third culture kid literature talks about the negative psychological impact of unresolved grief that's accumulated through the mobile lifestyles of third culture kids. So take the time. And you recognise, yeah, there's going to be sadness. Some call it grief. And I suppose in a way it is. We all react to that sadness in different ways. You know, one of my daughters bottles it up, the other screams and shouts, and I'm somewhere in between. Be tolerant with each other and talk about how you all feel, recognising that different family members process sadness in different ways. Sit with the emotions, don't try to smooth it all over. I know it can be so tempting to do exactly that. We don't want to see our children suffer, do we? But in truth, we can't, you know, we can't smooth it away, we can't raise it. The best thing is to be there, ready to listen and support, and also share your feelings and emotions too. You know, I remember when we came back to the UK the last time, I did try to put on a very positive face, but then I realised it helped if I said, well, I'm missing certain people and places and things. And it helped my children to realise that they could say things like that, and it was perfectly acceptable. So allow them the space to do that. Then finally, the T in raft is think destination. When you're leaving somewhere that you have a deep connection with, it can be difficult to think destination because, of course, all you want to do is absorb and maximise your last days in that location. But it's really helpful to begin to think about what you're looking forward to in the new destination, to research, to reconnect if you're going home, and to begin to build a picture of what you're moving to, to build those expectations.
So once again, go to go and download the workbook. There are the questions related to tip two in the workbook. Tip three, discover and appreciate the best of what has been. So this does link to the A in raft appreciation, um, but taking this a little bit further, you know, one of the ways of building strong foundations for the next stage of life is to think about what has been good and successful and worked well for you so far. So ask your questions about your previous life. You know, what worked well in your old location um, and what would you like to carry over to the new? What are you most proud of and why? Because when you ask that question, you'll uncover probably strengths that you utilise in certain situations that will be really valuable for you to recognise and use in your new life, in your next location. So think about the skills and strengths that you used to build your success abroad, to develop, for example, new connections with people at work or socially, um, what skills and strengths did you use in your professional life that helped you to develop um, the relationships and the trust with your teams. You know, Think about all of these aspects of your life, professionally, personally, and from a family perspective, and build a picture of you know, the strengths and the successes. Also think about what you learnt um, that you can take forward to the next stage and the next transition. So in particular, what did you learn about change and transition that you can identify and then use to support this next change and transition? One thing you'll definitely have developed is some cultural intelligence and agility. You know, the ability to quickly, comfortably and effectively live and work in different cultures and with people from different cultures. You'll have learned to become culturally curious, tolerant of ambiguity, able to understand the perspectives of others, interested in other cultures. Um, you'll interact with cultural humility and you'll have learned to build relationships and dig deep and cope with tough, challenging times. You'll have built your resilience. So these are all great skills that will help you to address to your new location, your new job, your new role, your new employment, and the new culture. So take time to build an inventory of your skills and strengths that will support you in moving forward. Tip four, once you've built that base, that foundation of strengths and learning, begin to think forward. Now, if you're moving home or moving to a new location that was not one that you intended to move to, it can be tempting to think back and to think about what you're missing rather than focus on looking forward and seeking to build a positive future in your new location. Ask yourself, what do you want to achieve professionally and personally and as a family? And in working through the questions for tip three about strengths and what you've learned, you'll hopefully have seen how you have developed personally and professionally through the experience, building valuable strengths through your international experience. So now think about the next stage and what more would you like to develop personally and professionally? What more would you like to learn? And then what are your goals and who do you need to be to achieve them. So thinking about the identity and your future self. How do you want to evolve and develop this, and this during this next stage of your life? 
Often people talk about the impact of relocation on identity, especially in relation to accompanying partners who, on leaving careers behind, leave a part of their identity. You know, and, and obviously they do. But I always think it's better, a better way to think about it is to wonder about how their identity will evolve and develop in the new environment. And this applies equally to going home too, to the next stage of your life. You know, we're never finished as human beings. There is always growth to be had, opportunities to grasp, our future self to develop. So see the next step as the next positive step in your development. Think about what you want to create and set your goals. Look one, two, three years into the future and think about what you want to create personally and professionally. Now, I understand this can be really tough when things seem uncertain. And it is easy to feel that there is little we can control and influence at the moment. And now in the podcast conversation I had with Bonnie Wims, episode 58, Bonnie suggested that when we feel everything is uncertain, it can help to search for the part of life that we can influence. And it may only be a very small part, just 10%. But if we focus on that and get curious about what we can do with that 10%, we can set some goals and have a vision for something we can achieve. And that in turn will help us to feel more in control and a little less uncertain and as a result more positive. So have a think about that 10% in your case. And one other thing that often holds us back is the trauma of past events. Now, trauma can relate to big or small negative events. It can be a severe shock or a difficult experience which has the potential to have a negative psychological impact. Now, the issue with trauma is that it can be really painful and we tend to look back at it and tell ourselves stories about it and the stories we tell serve the purpose giving meaning to the event, of course. But often, these stories are not particularly helpful. So a low-key example, one that many might relate to, is that uncomfortable first social event where we attempt to speak our host country language and we freeze. And then as a result, we label our foreign language schools as no good and fail to attempt to speak much at future events. So that one experience can impact our whole experience. And I know how I've allowed that to happen in the past. One evening story sets the context for our whole experience about language learning and execution. Isn't it better to tell a story that was positive in the sense that, well, that first attempt was difficult. We hadn't learned much language at that point, but yeah, we should be feeling really proud that we had tried to talk and tried to communicate at that point and give ourselves a pat on the back for doing that and recognise that yeah, it will get easier as we practice more. Practice makes perfect after all. So a few tips for drilling, dealing with traumatic events, really of any size. First of all, define the event, you know, what happened, what's the story about the event and describe how it impacted on you. Often that's a negative impact or a negative story around it. Then we flip it and identify the positive benefits of that situation because there usually are some. And then we reframe the story that we're telling ourselves into a new, more empowering one. You know, we can determine the stories we tell ourselves and the narrative we create around events and periods in our lives. 
So what is the narrative you want to be telling yourself about your current life experience and you know what's happened and what's led you to be relocating at the moment? Jerry Jones in podcast episode 59 asks, what will your 2020 story be? And he says, it's likely that we will all have to settle for less this year. But if we settle for nothing, then we have missed something. We need to ask ourselves, what do we want this story to look like in five or ten years' time? Are we going to be the victim, the complainer, the villain, the bystander, or are we going to step up and be the hero of our story? So there's a lot of work to be done with this tip, and I've included some questions in the workbook to get you going. Tip five. Remember that relocation is a process of change and transition. As I mentioned in the introduction, relocation home or onto a new location involves a change of location and a process of transition. And that process of transition can take time and has been represented in a number of ways. Now, one model I like to use is that suggested by William Bridges in his book, Managing Transitions, Making the Most of Change. He identifies transition as our internal psychological reaction to change, which evolves over time and it moves through these three stages. The first is the ending, losing, letting go. And this is really what we were talking about when we refer to the creation of the raft model. And at this point, change may be resisted and it can seem difficult and it might be represented by negative emotional reactions. So particularly if you're, you, you experienced relocation as a result of the pandemic and a forced relocation, that's how you may have felt. The next stage is the neutral zone. Now this is the bridge between the old and the new. And we can feel confused, uncertain, as negative emotions alternate with creativity, energy and renewal. So it's that polarity I was talking about and this is exemplified by many expats who will say one day that they're happy and excited about their new life and the next overwhelmed and a bit sad about what they've left behind. Don't worry it is totally normal. Um, you know, We're struggling with change and we will feel happy and sad. We will struggle some days thrive and others and so on. It is that mess and magic of change. And the final stage is the new beginning, where we accept where we are and embrace the change, learning and moving forward, launching new activities. Now the other thing to think about in relation to this model is that a move in effect represents many transitions. You know, the big transition, the move from one country to another, then smaller or different transitions to new work settings, new homes, new schools, new social lives. And in this current period, this is mixed in with the changes that COVID-19 has brought to our lives, depending on where we're living and the stringency of the rules in that location. A lot of change, all leading to a lot of transition, all happening at varying stages at the same time. So think about those different transitions you're facing, perhaps map them out and consider where you are in the transition process in relation to each change. 
and then cut yourself some slack. <laughs> Remember, transitions impact on us from a practical and emotional perspective, but things will settle. I know it may seem difficult to see that at the moment, but they will. You know, perhaps think back to past change and transition and think about to think about the times when you, you began to feel settled in relation to those transitions. Um, and then think about your transitions now and see if you can spot some times when you're beginning to feel a bit more settled. And give yourself time each day to do something that helps you personally to feel settled. It may be a familiar and enjoyable walk, a conversation with a friend, cooking a favourite meal, watching a favourite programme, something that centres you. Focus on it and enjoy it and the present moment. So moving on to tip six, focus on well-being. Now I know everyone is talking about this and perhaps there is one message that has come from the pandemic experience. It is the value of focus on well-being. In a time when there is much in life that can be viewed fearfully, leading to the production of stress hormones such as cortisol, it's important to take time to build opportunities to boost positive hormones by focusing on our well-being. Kelly McGonigal, in her book, The Joy of Movement, talks about how, how our whole physiology is engineered to reward us for moving. Now, when we move in a continuous way, such as walking, running, lifting weights or swimming, our muscles release chemicals that reduce inflammation throughout our bodies and lowers the risk of contracting diseases. These chemicals also have a big impact on our brain, increasing neuroplasticity, boosting our moods and improving our brain's capacity to deal with stress and difficult emotions. Scientists have called the hormones that muscles secrete into our bloodstream that make our brains more resilient to, more resilient to stress and depression hope molecules. And I guess we could all use some of those right now. Good nutrition also impacts our immunity, which is super important right now for obvious reasons. Now, there are some great podcasts on the podcast um, series Thriving Abroad Together about well-being. So the first one I'd recommend you take a look at and download the show notes for is episode 15 with Ryan Thomas, um, where we talk about the value of fitness, how we can put together really quite simple fitness routines that will have a benefit and also some two simple tips for making nutrition, our nutrition healthy um, but in, you know, in easy, easy to grasp ways. Mindfulness is also another way of helping us manage stress levels. And the conversation with Jodie Harris in episode 13 of the Thriving Broad Together series outlines the benefits of mindfulness and emphasises that it doesn't have to be a massive undertaking to become mindful. We can do quite small activities daily um, to build that ability so take a listen to that then finally journaling and journaling and writing is another great stress releaser and episode 11 with Jove Parfit talks all about that and the final thing I just want to say which is one that everyone talks about in relation to well-being and so I'm going to going to two and that is about sleep um, you know, I know how I feel when I have a bad night's sleep and I know the discipline that has to go into sort of establishing a positive sleep habit. Um, 
one of the benefits I found of, of the pandemic is the fact that no one's having really to get up early. We're all working to our own schedules. Um, so we're not having any of those horrible 6am starts at the moment, which means that our sleep patterns have, have, have shifted, but I have had consistently more sleep than I've ever had in my life. Sometimes not so good because I've been worrying, but generally overall better. And I really have felt the benefit on my well-being of that sleep. So I really would say build a good strategy around sleep habits, get that minimum seven hours a night. And then we find, you know, we find we have the resources to cope with so much more. So all those resources are linked to in the resources section of the workbook. Moving on to the final tip, tip seven, social connection. And you know, and I think this is perhaps the most important. We are social animals and when we feel isolated and lonely, we suffer. And that impacts on our cognitive abilities and our well-being. And in this era, you know, we're being told to socially distance and it can be really difficult as a new person in a new location to meet people. Now I so strongly believe that we should be emphasizing the need for physical distancing where necessary but also the need for social connection. It is so important. So if you're new to a location, you're gonna to have to get creative on this front perhaps. And you know it's gonna depend on the local rules in terms of lockdown and what activities you can get involved in. Now, if locally there is not much, then use technology to connect and communicate with others. I know it's not the same as face-to-face, -face, but it's definitely better than nothing. Please don't suffer alone. If you're finding this is all getting too much, then reach out for help. Reach out to family members, to friends. Look for people and associations online that get the experience. You know, I know there are many expat groups on Facebook, often linked to specific locations and Instagram too. So look for those. Um, there's two in particular that I would recommend, Families and Global Transition, um, FIGT.org. It's online on Facebook. Um, you can join as a member. You can also join the Facebook open group um, or page, I think, where they, they talk about all the resources they have available. So have a look there. And also there's a lovely new initiative, Here We Are Global, um, which supports dual career couples with a growing number of local chapters all over the world. Now, both these organisations are running online events that enable connection. So go and take a look at those. And if you'd like to talk to me about the challenge you're, challenges you're facing at the moment, then please do reach out. I make a number of complimentary sessions available each week for me to have conversations with people just like you. There's a link to my diary available in the workbook and on the Thrivingable website. So please make an appointment and let's have a conversation. Um, that's why they are there. I have also recommended some additional support on the podcast um, or from the podcast, conversations with professional work, professionals working in this field. I've mentioned a few, so go and get the workbook and look at the resources page and you'll see the links there. Now, if you are working in HR and you're responsible for supporting employees and their families through their moves, then please do get in touch with me and we can talk about how I can support both you and them. So to summarise, seven tips. Get clear, number one, tip number one. Get clear on what matters most to you and look for ways to connect your current reality 
with those values and needs. This will help you to develop and evolve your reason why. Remember to use the raft model in preparing to leave well. Tip three, discover and appreciate the best of what has been and what you have learnt and apply those strengths and that knowledge to your future challenges and experiences. Tip four, think about your future self. What do you want to create professionally and personally in your new location? Be intentional, set goals and take action to generate some forward momentum. It does really help. Tip five, Remember, change and transition is a process. It takes time and you will feel alternatively positive and negative during the experience. But you will come through the other side, I promise. Tip six, focus on your well-being. Look for opportunities to build movement, healthy eating and sleep into your schedule. Um, And tip seven, finally, social connection. Yes, We all have to think about physical distancing, but social connection is super important for our mental and physical well-being. So look for opportunities to build those connections, even if it, for the moment, has to be virtual. So seven great tips. Remember to go and sign up to download the workbook with the questions to help you think through those seven tips. And as I said, if you'd like to arrange a time to talk, then click on the link to my diary, which is also in the workbook. So that's all for today and for this episode from the Thriving Bull podcast. I'll be back with my next guest next week. But meanwhile, I wish you all the best wherever you are in the world. Stay safe. Bye-bye for now.